What can the Pope and the gorilla teach you about the meaning of work and business? Let me tell you. So I found myself in the Swiss Guards on my very first assignment as a bodyguard for the Pope, weeping. I can explain. You see, when I started that job, I sort of got into this and wasn't very happy about it. It looked good from the outside, but in the inside, I felt very much pressured and <clears throat> didn't really know whether this was the right thing for me to do, and I couldn't find the groove of it. And then they assigned me on this evening to go work while everybody else was at a party. And it wasn't just any evening, it was Christmas Eve. And they're going party, making me work. I was up there, actually right in front of the Pope's apartment, and I felt miserable for myself. I thought, you're choosing the wrong things always. I hate this work. I wish I, was, I, wish I wasn't even be here. I want to go back home. And I miss my mom. And then the radio goes off. Basically, I was standing there crying because there's nobody there. Then the radio goes off. And the commander says, hey, Widmer, the Pope is leaving the apartment to go, uh, to go celebrate Mass. He's using your exit, let him out. And I'm like, uh, what, what? <laughs> let the Pope out? And, and I, all I had time to do is to turn the key and step backwards. And then the big door opened, and th this beautiful light came into my room, and John Paul II stood in, the in, in this door frame, and this light came from behind him, and I, I stood there in attention. And he turned, turned to me, and he looked at me, and he says, hey, you're new, what's your name? I've never met you before. I was, I was standing there so flabbergasted, I think I gave him my social security number. <laughs> and he comes over to me and he stretches out his hand. And I stretch out my hand, you know. And he looked me, and once we touched the hands, he looked me in the eyes. And of course, I, I, you can imagine how I looked. I was just crying for three hours, okay? And he just looks at me and says, of course, this must be your first Christmas away from home, isn't it? Boy, that was the wrong thing to say to me. So I'm standing there holding the Pope's hand. I start to cry. My tears start to come down. And by the way, I'm his bodyguard. You can trust me with his safety. <laughs> and I'm like bawling my eyes out in front of the Pope. And he moves and he holds me and he says, Andreas, I'm so happy you're here tonight. I'm glad that we're working together. Welcome. This is going to be great. Everything is going to work out. I tell you what, I'm going to go pray for you. And that is how my working relationship with John Paul II started. What was interesting, afterwards, he always picked up where we left off before, and he started to know me, and he started to point out what, what I did well, and so on. And as a matter of fact, my parents one came, once came down and met him, and as we walked up, he says, oh, here's Andreas, he's my tallest guard, and he started to say things that I'm doing well to my parents. I tell you, I started to love this job. I started to feel a part of his ministry. And it became super important to me. I found my why. I found the purpose for my work. And when he used to say, when we work, we don't just make more, we become more. Boy, that resonated with me because I loved working there. But then the two years were done and I moved on and I came to America. And I was very blessed with a career in entrepreneurship. I helped start uh, software companies and so on. 
But after about 10 years, I worked myself into a corner. Because you see, my why of Sunday didn't quite translate into the why of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I sort of lost my bearings. And I felt that everything I did was always just like everything was an er emergency. Everything, I, I call it sort of a monotony of crisis. Everything is a crisis you're dealing with. And I, I really worked myself out of a purpose for doing this. I'm saying, why am I doing this? And I couldn't find my why. I thought it was because I, I wasn't working with John Paul anymore in a ministry kind of thing. But then I did some research. I, I, what I felt is I felt depressed, burnt out, and most of all, disengaged. I didn't care anymore. I did some research about this and come to find out two-thirds of the American workforce is disengaged. I am not alone. There's a majority of us who feel like this, who lost this why, who can't wait, wait to get home in the evening. And as I was in this crisis, I remember again what John Paul II said, when we work, we don't just make more, we become more. And I just couldn't make sense of that in a secular business. The answer came to me in the strangest place you can think of, on a guerrilla safari in Rwanda. And we walked up this mountain to meet these gorillas in the wild. And this group of friends of mine from Rwanda and I went up there and, and trekked to go see these gorillas. And when we met them, this is like this huge part of gorillas. And, and when we met them, we got between the silverback gorilla, the male, and one of the females. Um, the gorilla didn't like that. He took one look at us. And now imagine I'm six foot nine and all my friends are about this tall. The gorilla looks down and says, you're the problem. <laughs> and starts to charge me. And the game warden was like, down, down. And I had to go to the floor. And they made some sounds and stuff to, to calm him down. The gorilla charged me and got so close, I could, I could smell his breath. But then they did this, and, and, and he, he's, he went away. He lost interest and went away. And as he walked away, the game warden pats me on the back and says, so friend, how do you feel about having met your cousin? <laughs> and I was saying, this guy's many things, he ain't my cousin. <laughs> he says, oh yes he is, 99% of your DNA, you are biologically identical. I said, now hold on a minute. When my grandfather was born, there was no air conditioning, there was no, no cars, there was no airplanes, there was no internet, no cell phone, since he was born, and me today, all of this has been created through us, through my cousins. When this guy's grandfather was, uh, was here, he sat on the same mountain, doing exactly the same thing as what the gorilla does right now. Never created anything. Ne that guy, as a matter of fact, never worked a day in his life. <laughs> then it struck me, if that's true what I'm saying, if he never worked, then I can work. If he never created anything, and I can create, then it can't be biological because he's essentially me biologically, and I'm him biologically. The reason you see why I can create and he can't is because I am made in the image and likeness of the Creator. God created us both of the same clay, but the difference between the animals and us humans is that God breathed the Spirit into us. 
God's spirit, the creator spirit, and we call that work. You see, work is so much more than, than physical. What we lose today is the, the reason for our work. You see, when we look at work, we only look at it from the perspective of the outcome. There are two dominant paradigms that look at work today, and they're both character, characterizations of work. One is this, you know, it's grown out of, the, of something Milton Friedman once said, and he didn't exactly say that like this, but that's what stuck. The only thing that matters is profit. And so that gave rise to the idea of Wolf of Wall Street and profit at any price and so on. And then there's a, the other side of this, which says, it's, which is kind of a caricature of corporate social responsibility that says, no, 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 you can do that, but then you have to give back afterwards. But you see, what's wrong with that is that both of this focuses on the outcome of the work, and it's the same, the same coin, but two sides that just focus on the, outside, uh, on the outcome of work rather than on work itself. Both of this is materialistic utilitarianism. And that cannot give the reason and the why for you to go to work every day. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I started many companies, and, and, and I'm in business. I think profit is absolutely important. It's actually non-negotiable. But profit is a little bit like white blood cells to your body. Did you think of white blood cells just before I said it? You should have, because if you don't have any white blood cells, if your body doesn't produce them right now, you might be dead in a day. So I don't know why you're not obsessing about white blood cells. <laughs> I tell you why. Because a healthy lifestyle, sleep and food and water and so on, will produce as a byproduct of a healthy lifestyle. When we work um, like this, that's the same with profit. Profit is to business what white blood cells are to the human body. That is why, where the difference comes in between me and the gorilla, that, what, that I can actually create. I can create something, in a sense, out of nothing. I can think and produce it, and it lives on, in a, in a sense, sort of independent of, of me. That is imitating God in his creative power. That is what we call work. You see, it took the Pope and the gorilla, but 20 years later, I finally figured out what the purpose of work and the meaning of business is. When we create, God gives us the opportunity to imitate him and create goods that are truly good, and to provide services that truly serve. And when we imitate somebody, and especially God like this, what happens when you imitate somebody? You see, when you imitate somebody, you become more like them. And God is holy. Well, John Paul II showed me that Christmas Eve, that many years ago, is then that when we, when we work, we don't just make more. We become more. Work is an integral part of our path to holiness, to God. And that finally gave me the ultimate and profound why of my job 
and my business. And I pray it can do the same for you. Thank you. Thank you.